Well, good morning. I'm Nathan Price. I serve as one of the pastors here at First Baptist Church, Cordell. We're grateful for you here this morning. We've sung songs about Jesus. We've had Sunday school all about him. Now we're going to have a Bible study about him. And today we're going to be in the book of Joshua. And we're continuing through our uh, Kingdom Family Series. And uh, so I'm glad you're here today. We're talking about raising kingdom servants. And we've got some special guests. Oh, Hanson family, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, they're missionaries traveling around. So if you get a chance... Give them a shout out. Tell them you're praying for them. They're sitting right there. I got to meet your I got to meet your oldest uh, kids, which is great. They did a great job. Nice to meet them. Grateful you're here. And also, I'd like to thank all you guys. As some of you know, we had a wreck last week. And it was it could have been a lot more tragic than it was. But thank you for reaching out. And God had His providence over us, and uh, we're all okay. We have a new van today, and grateful we can do that. And grateful for you guys loving on us and checking on us. It was it, God was good through all that. So. So today we're going to be in the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, and you've probably heard these verses before, and you might have even seen it. If you go through Hobby Lobby, those verses are everywhere. But I think there's a lot more in it than what Hobby Lobby has on the sign, so we're going to kind of dive into that today because I think it fits perfectly on what we're trying to do. So here we go. The final chapter in Joshua speaks about servant families. You've got all these uh, Old Testament books, but and we know our cultural climate currently doesn't understand or seek out this service for the Lord. And I think as families, sometimes we uh, miss it as well. And they might have, <clears throat> excuse me, they might have this sign over the sink where the dishes are made or hanging over near the table. But actually serving the Lord and putting away the idols we have in our lives is hard to do. And sometimes we just don't do it. And, but God is for service for him and his kingdom and for families that follow his design for them. So why is it important to have a family that actually serves the Lord? Because the Lord wants us to help him accomplish his works on the earth. And luckily he lets us join him there. And yes, we're supposed to be doing something while we're here on this earth. And the family, I believe, and I think God's word is definitely there too, is the basic building block to take the gospel to the nations and to his people. So with that, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, we're on Joshua 24. It's also going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to read two verses there, verses 14 and verse 15. It says this, now, for, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it was evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers serving the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Dear Jesus, we're just grateful for this word. We're grateful for your text we pray that we make much of you today, uh, much of you throughout the week. I pray for all the families represented here today. I pray, God, that we always take your gospel to the nations, God. You continue to strengthen us and <coughs> make us prepared to serve you where you have us right now and where you send us. I pray all this in your name. Amen. So I got some, uh, as some of you guys know, I went to Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. I graduated from there. And I met some people along the way there uh, while I was getting my seminary degree that served the nations in different places. These are ordinary people that I met. One of them, I'm going to change his name because the place he serves, him and his wife and his family, is a closed country. It's kind of neat. I was, when I was pastoring in Florida, I got a magazine from the IMB, and it was his family in it. I, I know these people. They serve in a place, we'll, we'll call them Ben and Holly. They serve in a place uh, that is pretty well known, and, and Ben there, he's a he was an outdoor education major, and he's very much into climbing mountains. So he lives right at the base of the biggest mountain in the world. And 
they, he, he takes treks up and down the mountain. They were there when the earthquake happened. And just recently, I just looked online before I got up here, they're starting to make treks again because of COVID. His whole family's been there since COVID. They've been shut down. They haven't been able to leave. Uh, he has four kids about the ages of mine. And they live there and they serve there, uh, him and his wife. And it's a close country to the gospel, but he takes treks all up and down these mountains, taking the gospel to the nations while his family lives in the big city there. And uh, lots of places he goes is as uh, unreached as it comes because it's hard to even get there, okay? You have to climb a mountain to get there. There's villages all over the mountain, and he takes his family there. And these are ordinary people that I met in seminary. We played on, he was my roommate, but we also played on our flag football team, the Sweaty Yetis. That's a great name, I know. That was our flag football team name we played together. And also, uh, from that same team, I met, uh, I can say, Jennifer and John. They, they also serve in the close country. And they, they are back in the States because of COVID, but they also had a child where they came back. Uh, they're back right now, and they're trying to figure out ways to raise funds to go back overseas. And uh, they, were, they serve in a place that is totally close to the gospel. I think they actually are helping, or, they help organize a church that meets uh, underground there. And I, I get an email sent from me every month about what's going on in their lives and how they're trying to get back to the nations. But also one of the greatest kingdom servants that I've ever met was my pastor growing up, Vernon Craig. And he, he, he'll never, uh, you guys will never probably meet him, but he's one of the greatest men of my God I've ever met. And he served his family well. I, I grew up in a small Southern Baptist church, and I actually grew up with his family because his son was my best friend growing up. And he's in the ministry today. He works at FCA. Uh, in Clemson University. He works on campus there, and uh, he's my best friend, and we grew up together, and I got more spankings because of that kid than anybody else in my life, but, uh, but Vernon, I, just watching Vernon love on his family, uh, love the church he led, and, and we would go to, on mission trips together, and that's where I got, my, I got my call. I was supposed to be in ministry. I was on a mission trip to Memphis, Tennessee, where I led a kid to Christ, uh, and Memphis, Tennessee is still a pretty hard place, but about 20, 23, 24 years ago, it was a lot harder, and that's where God placed uh, that desire and that calling on my life to understand what I was supposed to be doing. I might have ran from it for a while, but luckily God in his providence, he always understands what service looks like for him, and you I was supposed to be doing it, and now I can stand saying I can do that. But my seminary president, Danny Aiken, says this before we get started. Good theology and good missiology are more caught than taught, both, though both they, are, they are both involved. There is a vital role for fathers and mothers and grandparents to play in conveying and modeling a missional life for their children who, by God's grace and his glory, follow in their footsteps. So with that, let's get started. If you have, hopefully you got your outline when you came in. I preach off of outlines. So the first point there, raising kingdom servants that fear the Lord. How do we know this? Because the text literally says, now therefore fear the Lord and what? Serve him. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I think it means to show your life of service to, to him. How do we do this? I mean, Joshua put some distinctions here, but for all Christians and all Christian families, service matters. And who we serve and who we show the world our, who our master is, is, that's more than what we talk about. So what your life actually shows is more than what you claim. But God has a design for, for families and a blueprint, and it's being what? It, it means to fear the Lord. Stephen Cole says this about fearing the Lord. It's a healthy respect and reverence for God, stemming from a knowledge of God and resulting in obedience to God. This attitude shows respect and reverence to who God is and the actions and service that you do. You want to fear and respect who God is, and it should push you to what? Serve Him, because there's others that don't know Him. 
If you fear God, you walk in his ways. Proverbs 8 tells us that. What? The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Why do you think my friends that I went to seminary with, and I always thought I would serve overseas, but God has kept me in the Bible Belt my whole career. I don't know why. I never thought I, I think I would be in an unreached people group, but I haven't got there yet. Doesn't mean he might send, uh, send me there. And guys, I, had to, I hate to tell you, with my great commission lifestyle that I leave, I would go. <laughs> Hopefully you would join me there too. <laughs> So here's the thing, like, what are we doing with it? God's given us his command to do things in this service. So we should be doing something with it, right? The mark of a person who fears the Lord is obedience and the service that will result from that. And this walk here, it's a lifetime of walking obedience to God. You don't ever outserve your presence on earth. God always has a plan for you. If you're here, the people groups you're with, the teams you play on, the teams you coach, Wherever God sends you, he has a plan right there, right then. Be aware he's always at work, and we should join him there. Because here it is, it's easy for us to grow in knowledge of him, but sometimes we forget how much we should fear him and what he can do. That means in Proverbs, we should flee and understand who God is. Flee from those things and understand this life of walking towards God means that we always are growing. You don't just stop. You're always growing. So for me as a parent... It, it makes me apparent as how I'm serving my own family to teach them that we're always growing to know God better, more. I'm not talking about providing here. I'm talking about serving. And as you know, when children are young, for the most part, it's easy that they'll just follow the example of the parents. So, honestly, parents, if they aren't quite doing what you're doing, what they're supposed to be doing, you probably haven't shown them how to. I'm appalled at sometimes what... We might take for granted it sometimes and what we should be showing and we just forget. Because serving truly for Jesus means just service over self. And let me ask you, can your, tid, can your kids tell by how you serve, the people around you, the world, who you serve it for? Is it yourself? Your family? You should serve your family, pouring them also to the ultimate servant who is Jesus. But for me, I can tell you this, and I talked about a little bit about Sunday school with your students, that at my house, I don't know about yours, but having four kids, and now, especially even before, but now especially that we're homeschooling them and doing different things, a little bit different, there is dishes out the gazoo and clothes. For some reason, even though they're homeschooled, they got to wear two or three outfits a day. I don't quite get it. But there's 12,000 cups to wash, and guess what? I'll come home. Elizabeth's been there all day, and she's done, she's done what she's supposed to do. And the, the, I think we are playing an evil game against each other sometimes on who can make the, the, the sink the nastiest before somebody actually takes part and cleans it up. And guess what I should do? I should go do that every time. But guess what? I don't always do that every time. And I also don't have the best attitude when I'm doing it, washing clothes, folding clothes, washing the dishes, whatever it takes. But how I respond matters. And it's taken me 38, 38 years to to understand that because how I'm serving them and how, the, how I react to them matters they see me, I'm their leader because guess what Psalm 1 tells us blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked who walks not in, excuse me <laughs> blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on law he meditates day and night so is my obedience to my family about me being obedient or about me serving God? It should be about me serving God every time. But also, here's the thing, parents and grandparents and whoever. We can't escape our examples whether they're good or bad. And sometimes we botch it. And guess what you should do? You should apologize. 
as hard as that might be. How are we living out our examples as servants for Jesus? Your words, your attitudes, and actions do. They show your kids or your grandkids that you serve the Lord. And what's even greater is, even when we're serving this Lord because we fear Him and we're in awe struck of Him, guess what? We get benefits from it. We get the Lord Himself. 2 Corinthians tells us, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing what? Holiness to completion and the fear of God. He wants to make you and I holy. That's why we stay obedient. That's why we stay in the game, to be more like Him. And guess what? We should be striving to be. Why? So we can serve Him better and He can serve our world. Because we're a part of it. He's put us in the game. Next point there. Raising kingdom servants that serve the Lord. And sometimes, my wife can tell you this, service is my love language. I, like, I love it when people do things out of the kindness of their hearts and serve me. No about you, but definitely. And guess what? The Lord feels the love when you serve Him. So if you want God to feel your love in your life and serve Him while obeying His commands. Galatians 5 speaks of this. It says what? For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do you not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through the love, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law was fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I want you guys to get this. This is something I think we misconstrue in Christianity, that freedom from the law does not lead to libertarianism, where you can just, for believers, by the power of the Spirit, we do the new life characterized by love. Far from the Christian life being enslaving, it's the only way to resist the various slaveries offered by the world. But this does not mean that Christians can do whatever they feel like doing, which in itself is another, another form of slavery. Rather, serving and loving others is the route to escaping bondage and fulfilling the ultimate content of what God has for us, the law. And what Paul says, the whole law is fulfilled in the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And when he uses that command as the reason why the Galatians are to serve one another, he implies that Christians, us, still have a moral obligation to follow the moral standards found there in God's law and scripture. Because obedience is just not a means of justification, but it's a crucial component to every Christian's life of service. And did you guys know that there's over a thousand commands to be obedient to God in the Bible? So he takes it very seriously, and we have to too. And you can tell how you, how, you, how you serve by who you're obedient to. Think about how we serve, let's say, what? Teams we coach. I was a football coach when I was in Florida, and I served them well. I tried to anyway. I didn't know that being an assistant football coach was also a full-time job, but it was. And somehow my wife survived through that with a little kid, and we had three. It was crazy, but we, God was good. It's a full-time job if you're going to do it right. So, so got football players, <laughs> treat your coaches well. They're, they're trying their best, I can promise you. And here's the thing. It wasn't all about winning for me. It's about raising up young men that will honor God. And on the football field, I have to be careful. But off the football field, as soon as we step out the gate, I could do whatever I wanted to do because it's a different level there. And I, I had some conversations outside that football gate a lot more than I did onside the field. Because here, here it is. We are who we serve. So how do we teach them about service isn't something that they can just get and broadcast on Facebook or it's not all about you taking a picture, showing up and not really doing anything. That service over self mentality, it's a hard thing. Why? How do we do it? We show them by being the hands and feet of Jesus. So how are you doing with that? I think Philippians 2 is a great place to start. Philippians 2 says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only... 
to his own interest, but also the interest of others, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what is God telling us? Serve, serve, serve. God calls us to this. We can't just be sitting around. We've got to be going. And there's something telling. I, I came here, it's been three years ago, and we were going great simple group to go to Street Reach in Memphis. And I worked, actually worked at Street Reach is where I got my calling on ministry I was supposed to do, right there in Memphis. And I can get kids to come to church and do fun stuff, but when I tried to sign them up to go, go somewhere and do something, it was hard. And it kind of broke my heart. I think I got two kids to sign up. We went and we did a great job, but honestly, it broke my heart. Why? Because we have to do better than that. We have to do better at serving our community here and out there as well. I need to do better to give you more opportunities, but we all got to do better. So what should we do? We should get off social media and understand where God's put us and serve there. Let's obey our Lord and serve our neighbors and take the gospel to all of Cordell, to Georgia, and to the nations, just like it says there. And guess what? There's a few practical ways coming up you guys can do that. We're having a trunk or treat here on Halloween. This is a very common way to serve our community, to give out candy, and hopefully have some gospel conversations, maybe get somebody connected to our church. Also, we're doing a Thanksgiving basket giveaway. I'll be getting names, and we're going to try to provide 50 Thanksgiving baskets for people in need in our community. It's just another way to serve those and make them aware of who we serve. And also, next year in June of 2022, we're taking a trip to Bolivia with ITM, International Tribal Ministries, uh, Dr. Ricky's organization he helped form. This is a trip parents and kids should go on. Why? To introduce what it looks like. And guys, I can promise you, there's nothing more life-changing for me as a follower of Christ than going on mission trips and serving God somewhere else. I love the country we live in. I'm grateful for it. But there's nothing like serving him in a place where you are the minority and different. He just does things, that, that, like, especially a different language. I think when I went to Honduras and how God, I, just washing lice out of kids' hair, that was a ministry opportunity. How just meeting people that walked 10 or 15 miles to come to a medical clinic in the mountains of Honduras. How drinking a cup of coffee with a person, <laughs> a local person, coffee they just got off the mountain. I, I, I would say, parents, I would push your kids to do, have a mission trip somewhere before they graduate high school. I think it's a good way to make us understand the reality of where we live and also a good thing, the reality of the world. This is a great thing to make us understand who we're supposed to serve and what we're supposed to be serving. The next one there. Raising kingdom servants that worship the Lord. I don't know if you caught the other verse, which is so important in this text, as the one you always see hanging in people's houses, but Joshua is telling the people something very, very important here about who God is and how we should teach our kids and the world around us. Who and what we worship affects how we serve. Who and what we worship affects how we serve. The people here have been worshiping, but sometimes it was just wrong. You can see that. They're worshiping the wrong gods. We can fall victim to this too, where we worship something more than we do the Bible. We look for truth elsewhere in our own minds, and we find it. But we, all, we must always make sure it lines up with what Scripture says. As Christians, the Bible is our worship guide, our life guide, and our service guide. Why? Because God wrote it for us, and for us to get to know Him and live life as Christians serving for Him. Because here's the thing, we were all created to worship. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden perfectly worshiping the God of the cosmos. 
But something happened, didn't it? Sin came into the world. Because of that, our worship can be misguided and just wrong sometimes. We, again, as Christians, we need to be aware of who Christ is and his word and live lives devoted to the Bible and his truths that Christians have. And it's not Burger King kind of Bible. You can't just have it your way when it comes to God's word. Every letter and every word matters. They are all for us. They all have value for us and for the kingdom. I just talked about, this is something we do in the South uh, that's, Wrong sometimes. Think about it on Saturdays. If, if, if somebody came to our United States on a Saturday during college football season, do you think they could tell what we worship? Look, I'm as grateful as anybody that Alabama lost last night at Texas A&M. And I'm grateful that Georgia will probably be number one team in the nation. I hope they live up to it. And I hope Florida loses every game for the rest of the year. And also FSU beat North Carolina, go to Seminoles. So anyway, but besides all that, think about how excited we get and how, how much time we spend focused on, it's, it can't be, football's not a bad thing, but it can be, right? That's with anything. Because you gather beforehand, you tailgate, and you do all that stuff. My students are like, we should tailgate before church every Sunday. It's like, I'm okay with that. Like, you can get people here if you cook breakfast foods. That's how it is. Breakfast food is a superior food. But, so, we've got to be aware of who we are because people see us differently because we do live in a, a great country. But Joshua here, what's he telling us? You've got to be aware. Why? Because he talks about other gods and idols. And lots of times, us as Christians, we don't even understand how other people partake or perceive the worship we give. Because sometimes we don't even know we're worshiping other gods and idols. We just don't understand what they are. And Joshua's very serious here. What does he say? Look there. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. But look there. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father serve in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He's pretty serious about who you're supposed to be worshiping, right? God just took over the Amorites and gave the people their land. He's showing who's superior. right? He expects something for us to what? Worship him correctly. And guys, for young people, they worship differently than we do. They worship their cell phones. <laughs> and they value their social media platforms. That's where they get all their information. Parents, you need to be aware of your kids and the access they have to these platforms. And they could be hiding things from you, even if you have monsters on things. They're, they're pretty savvy, I promise. I've had, have had, had hard conversations with parents when they realize teenagers have been doing something wrong. And they don't even, and they feel like they don't even really know the kid because of what they're doing. And guys, this is a reality. We all need to be aware of. But here it is, parents, grandparents. Again, you have God-ordained power to control what your kids see and do, what, do the job that God has given you. The book Full Circle Parenting says this about technology. It's back here, Full Circle Parenting. It's written by some of my friends in South Florida. They raised eight kids, Jimmy and Christian Scroggins. It says this, Our kids will not be able to function in this world without technology. So it's imperative that we as parents train to manage it. Train them to manage it. So that means what? You have to manage it because we waste so much time ourselves on our phones. You have to manage yourself as well. I fall victim of this. And also, why do we have the need to share, the, share with the world every detail of our lives? Are we really that good? Are we really crushing it that much? Also, another thing I've seen uh, throughout my ministry career is we can fall victim to worshiping friends. You get a new friend and everything just changes, right? Right? My friend leaves, 
Again, full circle parenting says this. We have to be aware that we need to teach our kids to choose the right friends. But we should also be intentional about training our children to be good friends. I, I, I never even thought of that. How are we training our, friend, our, our kids to be good friends? And especially it can change when you get a boyfriend or girlfriend. Because for some reason, some, I don't know why this is. Teenagers think they know all these things and they just don't. But a girlfriend and boyfriend get privileges like a husband and wife. But that shouldn't be the case. It's a boyfriend and girlfriend. It's different. You need to be aware that that's not what God intended for you. But also, if we're talking about worship, you don't worship them. You worship the God that made you in his design. But you also have to teach them how to worship at church. What does that mean? Show a little passion. Guys, it's hard. For me, I think Baptists, we swung the pendulum way over here where we can't show any emotion. And over here where everybody shows too much emotion, it can be distracting. I think we should fall somewhere in the middle. If you enjoy the songs, if you enjoy the word, be in it. Sing the songs. Be excited. Because this is what it's all about. It's about kingdom growth and worshiping. Because God put us all here to worship him. And we get distracted. We get all base. Why? Because of sin. But God has something for us. So this is what I want you to get. It's about worship, yes. So Sunday school teachers, you all matter. Janet Gregory taught me in Sunday school. Cindy taught me in Sunday school. All my RA leaders. All my discipleship training leaders. When I went to RA camp, growing up as a kid, it all mattered to build me up to understand who I was supposed to worship and what it was all about. So if you've ever been there, it matters. Get in the game, stay in the game. Train up the next generation to love God more. The last one there. Raising kingdom servants that live for the Lord. And this is something that I'm passionate about because this is something I'm trying to do. That's just living that Great Commission lifestyle. And guess what? All Christians should be trying and striving to live this way. Because we get this call from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. But I'm afraid, I never really heard about this growing up. And I'm afraid, it's just a shame because besides my pastor's life lived this way, I never saw anyone else living that way. But it's a call for all people. What does Matthew, the Great Commission, tell us? Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it tells us that, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sally Lloyd-Jones says this regarding this. This world is not our home. Hard things happen. Storms will come. But I love to see God equipping his little ones with his promises from the very beginnings of their lives. Helping them know he is with them. Helping them recognize him coming to them. And this means whatever you do as a family, you should do it for the sake of the gospel. Because God doesn't have you there for no reason, right? It means having gospel conversations with people and families you come in contact with. And I can tell you, I've had more gospel conversations at ball fields than I've had in a church building. And it's an easy way to have conversations that lead to the gospel. Why? Because the Spirit's always at work. And as believers, we must join Him. Not be available, be obedient. He's at work. Join Him there. We must act like, we must not, we, we, we like to act like we can just control how God works. That's just not the case. Like we have it all figured out. God works in this mysterious box we designed for Him, and He always beckons us just to be ourselves. But He doesn't want us to be ourselves. Why? Because if we left to ourselves, we wouldn't get to... Jesus wouldn't have to die on our behalf. He saves us from ourselves. He wants us to be vessels for his missionary call to everyone. All believers, don't deny your call. Believer, go and tell others. That's what we're supposed to do. 
You know, there's thousands of go, go commands throughout the Scripture. Thousands. And we don't have it all figured out. I have a master's degree, and I've studied it up to be better at it. I know scholars and doctors, they don't know it all either. But we know Jesus does, and he says go. So our life should be pointed towards him and his word. What does that mean? You try to have conversations that lead to the gospel. And children are aware of who you live for, parents and grandparents. And we've pawned off responsibility too much. And many times we can pursue lives that don't honor our roles as parents. Schools and daycares can teach kids and will teach kids to be better students. But it's your job to teach them to be better disciples. It's your job to be the main disciples of your kids. God ordained you with this. And this quote that I got from Dr. Aiken's book, and it's a book I got free for you right back here in the bookstall. He says this, and it's, it, I read the whole book. It's a small little book. It's a great one. But this quote stuck out to me through all the books that I read. It says this. You didn't take care of me. You sent me to daycare. You didn't feed me. You sent me to McDonald's. You didn't study with me. You bought me a computer. You didn't talk to me. You bought me a stereo. You didn't look at me. You bought me a TV. You didn't play with me. You bought me toys. Now that I'm grown and you are old, why should I come and see you? I don't even know who you are. Guys, here's the thing. We can't buy our children's love or respect or God's desire for our hearts. We can't buy it. You have to live it. That shows them who you are. And parents, here's the thing. As a pastor, I, I don't know it all. <laughs> Jesus does. I don't have a magic wand when your kid's being terrible and disobedient. But we do have Jesus and his Holy Spirit and God's Word. And that's where we sh you should always start, and that's where I'm going to start if you come and help me, ask me for help. But again, there's no magic wand for sinful kids, only the cross that's empty. And all our lives should be about that, in word and deed. And kids can tell by what you spend most of your life doing where your heart is. And I've heard this said throughout. And as a lot of you know, I'm an outdoorsman. I love to fish. I love to hunt. I love to be outdoors. It's one of my favorite things. And being in some of these circles, I've heard this, that I've never felt more at church than I'm in the front of my boat or sitting in a deer stand. And look, I, I love these things, and I love God's creation, but God never ordained creation to be his bride, and Jesus died for it. But he did the church. The church is God's called out anointed body to encourage the saints to take the gospel to the nations. Creation can never do that, and God never said it could or would. So what do we do? We always keep the big picture in focus, push them to lives devoted to God and his word and his church, and teach them to serve and follow his commands, and together, let him use your family to impact lives and families for the gospel's sake. So what does all this mean for us? I think it means this. <clears throat> to raise servants, you must first become one. Maybe that's you today. You've never repented and trusted in Christ. I urge you to do that. Repent, from your, repent of your sin. Turn away from your sinful things. Turn towards Jesus and accept his forgiveness for your sins. But then you get to do what? You get to live lives devoted to him, serving him. So what, what should we do next? We should fear the Lord and serve him wherever he has you. Because again, where he has you, who you're involved with, uh, the teams you play on, uh, dance teams, you name it. He has you there for a reason. Don't miss it. Because here's another thing. Our kids learn what worship is from us. They will learn to worship what you do. Make sure it's all about Jesus and not some worldly things. That's for me as well. 
And I think last but most important is to live your life specifically for the gospel. So what does this mean? We serve Christ by being obedient to his word and his spirit. We serve his bride, which is the church. We serve his world and follow the Great Commission. And parents, don't let any book or worldview be paramount to the Bible. But believe it and let it shape the servants God has entrusted you with to teach them of the ultimate servant, King Jesus. And I'm going to close with a quote from Nancy Guthrie. It says this, Parenting brings incredible, indescribable joys. But because our children matter so much to us, parenting can also bring incredible challenges and devastating heartbreak. For such an important task, we need to have our thoughts and attitudes and our dreams and desires shaped by Scripture.